Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. You have them? Everybody, Bob Stoffer joining you. It's 135 in Edmonton. We're down in Sunrise, Florida. The Oilers get the Panthers tomorrow. That's a noon puck drop Edmonton time. And then they get the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's a 3 o'clock puck drop Edmonton time on Sunday. So back-to-back games. We expect Cam Talbot to start in goal. He's 6-6 six and six with a 2.33 goals against average and a 9.31 save percentage over his last 12 games. 6-6, six and six, and he's lost two one nothing games. In the next 24 minutes of the show, the NHL's new director of social impact, growth, and fan development, Andrew Ference, former Oilers captain. And uh, we'll also hear from Serge Lajoie, head coach of the Alberta Golden Bears, who beat Acadia today. 8-6. They gave up three goals in the last minute of seven. So the proverbial three dressed up as a nine performance from Acadia as the Bears are blowing them out. Uh, I, do we have uh, Andrew Ferentz, uh, Brendan? Are we good to go here? Maybe not. Okay. Uh, again, okay, we're just going to transition them in. We will tell you that portions of the show brought to you by World Floor Coverage. Tell them what now sent you and receive two times zero miles reward miles on flooring purchases uh, at uh, World Floor uh, World Floor Coverage, uh, where they know a little about hockey and a lot about flooring. Without further ado, Andrew Ferentz, former Oilers captain, joins us right now. Andrew, how you doing? Bob, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, not bad. Uh, not bad at all. Can you tell me exactly what is the NHL Director of Social Impact, Growth, and Fan Development? What does that uh, role, uh, you know, encapsulate? Oh, man, a lot. <laughs> Just, uh, uh, there's a short answer. So uh, the NHL had uh, a number of separate entities within, uh, within its New York offices uh, for the last uh, number of years. And then over the last three months, they've consolidated uh, into one giant department, basically, that's headed by my boss, uh, Kim Davis, who came on uh, three months ago. Uh, and it covers everything from uh, the good social impact stuff like Hockey Fights Cancer, Hockey is for Everyone, uh, NHL Green, um, so a lot of the social issues, uh, all the way to learn to play um, into uh, youth hockey, 
uh, and also government relations. So when working with mayors or governors or uh, at a provincial level or federal level, um, some of those uh, relationships that we need with the politicians. So it's it runs the gamut all over the place. I'll tell you, even my first week, I've touched on a lot of things that are seemingly unrelated, but uh, all related in the sake of, uh, of growing our game. I, I remember watching you uh, on another uh, show uh, a number of years ago with a very talented, uh, nationally known Canadian guy talking about the, the Green Initiative, and uh, you're telling the story about how some guy chirped you about it one time in a game. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the one thing I will say, Andrew, my experience has been, and I've heard from maybe, you know, I mean, I've done the orders now for 10 years and had a show for six years before that, but my experience has been hockey players, and maybe it's because they, you know, yeah, it's mostly white guys, but the fact of the matter is there's Europeans. I've always found that guys are, first of all, they're nice, and for the most part, they're really open-minded individuals as a general rule of thumb. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, I think it's a very fair assessment. I think it's hard to be a good teammate when you're really close-minded just because you're surrounded by so many different personalities that you have to work with. Um, so as yeah. much as we all might look very similar, <laughs> there's a lot of different things going on within the room. And if you don't know how to be open-minded and, and, and see from another, somebody else's point of view or adjust you know, based on personalities, you're going to have a really hard time being a, being a good teammate. Well, I mean, you know, Willie O'Ree, we've seen a lot of him, obviously, uh, February's Black History Month in the United States, and, uh, you know, so we've seen Willie at least three times on the road uh, this year, and, uh, you, you know, the hockey fight cancer thing, uh, the NHL is actually quite progressive in that regards, isn't it, compared to the other uh, major professional leagues? Yeah, well, I think everybody's doing, you know, everybody has their different things, and I think the NHL... Uh, I mean, I think, I think they try to do everything that's, you know, good for the game, but I think it's authentic. You know, I don't think it's, uh, especially after, um, you know, being there for, for a bit. And, and most of those people that I'm working with now, I actually worked with as a player. So uh, it's really just kind of a continuation of, of things that I was doing uh, before. And everyone generally, uh, g- genuinely wants to just do good stuff and, and promote how uh, great the culture of hockey is, uh, what they've gotten out of the sport. You know all those, all those good aspects of the game that we all know about because we played it or we're around it. You know the good things that you learn, the type of person that can, uh, you know, develop you into as as a, as a kid. Um, the thing is, is, is how do you how do you broadcast that message to people that don't know our game? You know, I, I think we talk about it a lot. You know, amongst ourselves, but you know whether it's uh, uh, a, a reporter coming in and like the ultimate compliment to a hockey player is. Uh, you know, when they come from another sport and they say, man, you, you guys are just such nice guys. The hockey guys are the best. And, and you know, I think a lot of that talk uh, uh, stays within the room. And, and we don't, we don't uh, properly share that with, uh, uh, you know, maybe a mom or dad who's thinking about putting their kid into a new sport but doesn't really know, you know, much about hockey. And so, you know, part of my job is to not only promote the game and, and, and get new audiences and some non-traditional markets into the game, but... Um, you know, not just sell how exciting it is and how, how much fun it is, but, but also that side of it, you know, the, the, the kind of bonus, the bonus that hockey brings with its culture and, it, and its, good, uh, um, its good life lessons that are kind of in, uh, integrated into the game. We're joined right now by the NHL's Director of Social Impact Growth and fan development, Andrew Ference, former Edmonton Oilers Captain Bob Stoffer with you down in Florida. By the way, you played here, didn't you, Brief? Were you not yeah. down here for a while? 
In Florida? No, that was the other Ferentz. That was it, Brad Ferentz. Oh, right, right, right. Geez, how yeah. can I? And so what he got he was a nasty by, piece. Uh, yeah. Two of yes. faded to Florida, I think. Yeah, right, right. I was trying to think of uh, uh, the connection, because Dallas Aikens played in Florida, but you guys met through uh, the, the hockey schools at that time, the work that you guys did. Uh, so here's the thing. You're a Canadian guy, and I'm seeing a bit of a, uh, a change occur, uh, you know, with hockey in Canada because of the elite camps and uh, the schools that kids go to. I mean, when I grew up, and, and I got about 15 years on you, Andrews. What, what are you, 38, 39 now, 37? Yeah, I'm just trying to 30, think. 39 tomorrow. You're old. So, anyhow, you're thirty. You're thirty nine now. You could be a middle class kid or a tough farm kid uh, from Saskatchewan or Alberta back in the, you know, back in the seventies and develop and in the eighties. And and now because of the year round focus in hockey, um, it's almost become, a, you know, it's a bit of a sport in the, uh, for the elites in the U.S. because of the shortage of ice. And, you know, of course, in Canada, there's outdoor ice because of the, the climate. Are you concerned about that moving forward as a, as a guy that's the NHL's director of social impact, impact that hockey does remain for everybody? And you don't have to come from a, an affluent background to play the sport. Yeah, it's a serious challenge. I mean, we just uh, finished club business meetings uh, over the last couple of days where every club was there. You know, there's about 600 of us all in the conference room for two days discussing these kind of issues and, and um, access to the game is, is a big thing and, and not only access to the game, but the way, uh, like you said, the game has turned into, um, you know, some of the travel teams, the expense that comes with that, the year round play, uh, the, the way that uh, it actually inhibits kids from playing other sports and being involved in other activities. Those are um, actually quite serious concerns. And, and so, a lot of uh, a lot of my job is is uh, based on what the NHL put out uh, earlier this year, which is its declaration of principles. They co-signed with all other hockey stakeholders, and one of the main part of those principles it spells out our culture is that we believe in the power of kids playing many sports. And so that's that's words on a paper, and I know that you have to put that into action. Um, but we have strong partnerships with USA Hockey, with Hockey Canada. Um, when you start looking at uh, developing coaching curriculum and, and, and the way some of their, their uh, um, the structures within those those entities exist, you know these are conversations that we do have, and 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 and, and stressing the importance of of making sure kids have the ability to play other sports and, and actually encouraging that they play other sports at a young age um, is front and center in all of those conversations. So um, will, it, will it happen overnight? No, but I, I think that it's important to a lot of people that uh, are making decisions. And so I have high hopes that uh, we can at least, um, you know, move it a bit because I think everybody agrees. Like I said, you, you know, you're in, you're in, in the room with the, those decision makers and I didn't hear anybody you know, cheer the fact that hockey's more expensive or that that certain kids are playing all year without the ability to play other sports. Um, so it's definitely uh, on the radar. Well, you know, I, I'm going to take this one step further, and this occurred before you came to the team, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a kid for people that don't he couldn't afford to play one year, but he was such a good player that the community stepped up and they kept him in hockey, and the rest is history. But speaking of playing other sports, we were outside the front of the Nashville arena uh, before they did a little bit of work there, and uh, the guys were playing football, and I was watching Nugent Hopkins, and he was the quarterback. He looked off the guys that were playing, uh, you know, covering the receivers, looked off one side of the field and flicked the ball about 50 or 55 yards 
like without even a windup, like just snapped it in there, and, and and I mean threw an absolute frozen rope. And I thought to myself, there's a guy that grew up playing other sports because, like when I was, I don't know about you, Andrew, but I didn't like I, you know, and I obviously didn't play major junior. wasn't good enough to play major junior at that time. But I skated for eight months a year in the double A system, and that was it. There was nothing in May, June, July, and August, and so we played football we played soccer and i think that there's something lost with that i I don't know if guys are better athletes as a result they might have greater hockey skills but i'm not convinced they're necessarily better athletes well i mean there's anecdotal support of that whether it's with uh uh, with your supreme sporting ability, <laughs> or with or lack, or you've seen me, or lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> but you make a good point. I mean, like I said, the anecdotal like stories of uh, Jerome McGinley. You know, he could have went on and played like high level ball, or I, I played lacrosse. You know, at a at a, at a good level. And there you most, go. Most now of my, my wife's left. smiling because yeah, <laughs> yeah, my wife's smiling because her dad started lacrosse in Edmonton. So oh, there you have it. Yeah. So I mean, there's stories like that all over the place. You know, most of the Hall of Fame guys uh, I played with over my career could have been good at, uh, um, you know, a few sports. They're good athletes. And so that's, I guess, the anecdotal support. But the thing is, we have scientific support. There, there's actually, this has been studied to death across many universities, across many countries, and over and over and over again, the results are the same. Multi-sport uh, athletes turn into better professionals. <laughs> and not just physically, you know, like physically developing those other muscles and those, those other skills. But mentally, you know, that was probably the biggest thing for me is like, yeah, it's fun to play other sports. But then when it was time to come back to hockey, I actually wanted to go back to hockey. And I was excited about going back to hockey because I missed it. You know, like you, you don't play for a few months and you, uh, you you can't wait to get back on the ice. So, uh, you know, if I would have had the exact same situation where I was playing year-round at, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old, like, uh, I, it'd be a different story. You know, so it's not just... Uh, us, you know, talking about the good old days and, and how great it was when we all played multiple sports. Um, it is backed up by, by great evidence. And, and, uh, and, you know, like I said, anecdotally, when you talk to parents uh, and, and even a lot of kids now, I, I, don't, I don't see a ton of support for, for year-round hockey and, and for um, only playing one sport and being limited, you know, by that. But I feel like people... Um, you know, you get sucked into that uh, not wanting your kid to fall behind or feeling like they might be left out by by not joining in on on, uh, on the craze of, you know, being there for, for uh, the whole year. So it's, uh, I can understand the tough, you know, the tough balancing act that a lot of parents are, are trying to do between not wanting to buy into that system but feeling like they're, they kind of have to. Um, so you know, like I said, it's a it's a big issue. Uh, I think it has to be addressed uh, at the highest levels. Uh, um, you know, with our with our good partners at at, uh, at places like Hockey Canada and USA Hockey, and uh, and uh, find some solutions for sure. Andrew, let's do this uh, if possible. And I know you can think of better things to do in the summer than coming in the studio and joining me for half an hour, an hour. It'd probably be the last guy you'd want to do that with. But uh, we got to get you on a day where we can spend uh, a little bit more time on this subject and hit on a bunch of different themes in your new role as the mm-hmm. NHL's Director of Social Impact Growth and Fan Development. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us here on Oilers Now, okay? It's always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you.
Hey, you bet. That is former Oilers captain Andrew Ference. We're going to take a quick break, uh, go to this day in Oilers history, and briefly bring in Serge Lajoie as his uh, Golden Bears have just beaten Acadia 8-6 at Nationals at an 8-2 third period lead. This is Oilers now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca. Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave. Specialists. And if it comes with a Pro-Am Sports Certificate of Authenticity and Hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, Pro-Am Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. Listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Quickly to list in history, Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Again, we've got a trip to Europe coming up this fall. Our Oilers now roadie or register at newwesttravel.com. March 16, 1986, Yari Curry scores a 60th goal of the season. Wayne Gretzky had his 50th. <laughs> the Oilers beat the Jets 6-2. to 60th and 50th. And right now, the leading goal scorer in the league is 41. This day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Again, we've got the Oilers now road trip to Sweden and Germany this fall. See the Oilers play in Europe. Uh, register at newwesttravel.com. Again, we will get Andrew Ference on the show again. Uh, some very interesting topics there. Our next guest probably felt like he was going up against Jerry Curry and Wayne Gretzky in the final minute and seven of the game. Uh, his Golden Bears were up 8-3, and Acadia scored three goals to make it 8-6. We can laugh about it now because it's over. Serge Lajoie, head coach of the Golden Bears. Serge, how are you doing? <laughs> doing well. Thanks for having me on, Bob. You got the win. Were you sitting there on the bench going, what the heck's going on here in the final 90 seconds of that game? Yeah, let's say I got into a, a bit of a lather, but how often do you get a uh, victory at a national championship and uh, learn a lesson at the same time? So it was, uh, you know, up until that point, uh, I thought our guys just kept getting better and better. And, yeah, that's, it's a little unfortunate, but uh, we're not going to criticize or critique the win. Uh, we get to move on and get uh, focused on our next opponent. Uh, it helps when you score 13 seconds into a hockey game, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And it uh, it was just a, you know, well-executed, hard-working play. Our first two goals were actually just just hard-working plays. A guy like Riley Kieser, who never never wavers of how he approaches a game and how he prepares. And, you know, a guy like Kieser is a perfect guy to lead our team. And uh, you know that he's going to come up big in, in key situations. And he really uh, he got the, got things rolling for us. Yeah, you got your first two goals. The player of the game had four points. That's your fourth line center, which speaks volumes of the depth, which took a hit because you don't have Brandon McGee. And I noticed that Jaden Hart didn't play today either. I mean, those are two pretty good players at that level. Um, and uh, we had Mark Pezikon and Stefan Legault, one of his best friends, and, and Legault had five points in that game as well. And I think that that's something that might bode well for you is some of your top-end offensive players like Tyson Bailey, a big-time scorer in the Western League, he was a little bit quiet. So I guess that's the byproduct of, uh, you know, uh, you and Stan recruiting a pretty deep team. Yeah, and it's when when you see a guy like Legs and, and Keys uh, do so well, and Bredo, who, uh, you know, I spotted on the left side with them, and they really kind of, uh, you know, kind of, established a pace to the game that 
when Bailey and Howie look at that, uh, you know, there's no excuses. Uh, that's the way that we need to play. We don't need a fancy style of play. We need just good, sound, simple hockey, putting pucks on net, and that's exactly what uh, you know Legs and, and Keys did. And uh, it's winning the battles. And I, I thought that uh, as the game went on, we started to really commit to winning small battles, and you could see the confidence kind of gaining with our group. So uh, we're going to choose to ignore the last minute and a bit and uh, focus on all the positives that uh, that got us this victory today. Yeah, you built up an 8-2 lead, uh, gave one up halfway through the third, 8-3. They got three all around the goal in the final uh, minute and a half. So you're going to get either Saskatchewan, who you swept uh, the last four times you played them, or McGill. Um, uh, do, you, do you look at making a change? Because you could be playing three games in three days here. Or does Zach Sachenko get the start tomorrow for you? Yeah, it was something we were considering even uh, you know, even before this game that uh, we, we have the luxury of having two goaltenders that can play and two goaltenders that not only can uh, can play but can play well and our guys play well in front of them. So we're definitely going to consider it. Uh, you know, we're going to go watch the game and uh, you know, I'm curious to see what kind of style that uh, McGill plays. It's always different live than it is watching him on tape. Uh, we pretty much know what to expect from Saskatchewan, so we're uh, we're going to have a chance to discuss uh, any kind of lineup changes for tomorrow's game. Great job, uh, Serge, and not telling me who you're going to start tomorrow. Best uh, <laughs> luck this weekend, <laughs> and hopefully we get a chance to talk Monday or Tuesday when you won the national title. Okay, I would uh, love that. Thanks for having me on, Bob. You bet. That's Serge Lajoie, head coach of the Alberta Golden Bears. That wraps up the Friday edition of Oilers Now. Uh, jam-packed show. I'd like to thank our guests. They included Rob Brown, Andrew Ference, Mark Pezik, Serge Lajoie, Leon Dreisaitl. Again, tomorrow the City Ford Faceoff show begins at 10.30 a.m. Edmonton time. Cam Talbot will start in goal. Pontus Aberg missed practice today. Will not play tomorrow. Uh, Chris Russell, game time decision, but likely out. And uh, Dreisaitl and Lucic split up. Lucic likely with Strom and Pugliarvi playing a little bit further down the lineup against one of the best teams in the league over the last 20 games. The Florida Panthers are 8-1-1 in their last 10. Coming up tonight on Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Who does he got? Brandon. Jack Michaels is on. Uh, Golden Bears forward Riley Kieser will be on. Canadian Paralympic uh, sledge hockey player Steve Arsenault from South Korea. And former Eskimos linebacker Alex Hoffman-Ellis. All right. Uh, up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell. Follow or Check that uh, with Brenton Dreger. Followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now, and I'll rejoin you tomorrow.